Hi everyone and welcome back to another episode of the County Corner Podcast. On this week's episode, Stephen, Adam and I look back at Ross County's 2-0 defeat against Rangers and we'll discuss the performance there. We'll look ahead to the trip down to Rugby Park to face Kilmarnock in the final match before the international break. We'll talk transfer deadline day and any potential areas that we want to see the club still strengthening. We speak to Norwegian Stagi, Jan Hevroy, to discuss his 56 trips he's made across to watch County over the years and some of his favourite memories. We'll hear from both Malky and Jack Baldwin at the club's weekly press conference. We'll have a look at some of the answers that the listeners have given to our questions from last week about their favourite county top, favourite away day and favourite pie. And we ask another very important question at the end. Who is your favourite Ross County cult hero? So that's all still to come. So let's get straight into it. Right. So on the podcast this week, we've got Stephen back on once again. Stephen, welcome. Uh, how's it going, Ross? Yeah, I'm sure uh, after the events of this past Saturday that Cleland's referee corner will now be well and truly coming into play in this episode. Yeah, we, we missed it last week. There was no dodgy decisions against Airdrie. So, um, you know, the penalty decision down there was pretty pretty stonewall. So we didn't really have to come to you too much for that. But I'm sure you'll have plenty to talk about for, yeah, some of the decisions this week. And making his first appearance on the podcast since our end of season review. It's Mr. Staggy's draw, Adam Carter. Adam, how's it going? <laughs> um, I'm good, yeah. I'd like to be back. Looking forward to um, letting you know what my input is and what I think. <laughs> stuff. Do, you like, do you like that, Mr. Staggy's draw? Yeah, well, I don't know if I want it to stick. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Um, Adam, I'm, I'm right in saying it was your first game of the season on Saturday you've been a busy man over the, the summer and things like that so you know you've managed to watch the performances so far from a distance how have you thought the season's kind of started and and even the, the performance on Saturday too I think when you look at the the start to the season we've had with having Celtic and Rangers you, you're kind of looking at them thinking if we can get anything out of those games it's a bonus you know Ross County going into those games you know um, Parkhead and having uh, Rangers and Dingwall you know if you're coming away with that game with nothing, that's what you're expecting in reality. But um, I think for the St. Johnson game, you're looking at that first three and you're thinking, yeah, we'd be great to get a win there, which they did, which was a, a good start to the league. But I think from now on, I think we've got obviously Kilmarnock and then Livy at home and Aberdeen back to back. I think we can try and build a bit of momentum in those two uh, league games before the Aberdeen doubleheader and see where that takes us. But with the cup as well, job's done there next round of the cup. But um, yeah, been playing well, I think. And Stephen, I guess when the fixtures kind of came out, as Adam mentioned there, the opening three, when you've got both sides of the old firm, you know, you're you're thinking anything you can get from those is a bonus. But the St. Johnson game sandwiched in the middle of that was probably everyone's hope for guaranteed points from the first three games. So getting three points yeah. out of those possible nine is probably the, the start we, we hoped we would get. And anything on top of that would have just been an added bonus. Yeah, no, I think Adam makes a good point. You're looking at the Rangers and Celtic games and thinking anything's a bonus on that. I think the thing that we were sort of talking about, Ross, or my theory always is against the old firm, the chances are they're, they're going to win the game. Records sort of show that. So the main thing in that game is keeping the score down. Don't lose by more than two goals because when you're playing the old firm, um, if you can avoid being beaten by more than two goals, the chances are when they're playing other teams, they'll they'll do better than that against the opposition and that helps your goal difference so from that point of view is the, the Rangers and Celtic game have come out of that relatively unscathed 
and we've now gone into obviously winning the St Johnson game 2-0 clean sheet two goals we're three points I think it's minus two in the goal difference that's right um, yeah. and pretty much I think where all county fans expected to be at this point in time and then you just then assess performances at Celtic we played well and unlucky in certain spells not to get more than we did though we managed to get two goals I would say against Rangers, there were spells we were unlucky and, and played some good football and spells in the game as well. And St Johnston, it was quite a, a, a dominant performance in that respect. So tie that in with the League Cup and getting through, as Adam says, and, and making it to the quarterfinals, which is now, you know, we've got an opportunity to progress the same way. All in all, as county fans, I don't think we can have too many complaints. It's, it's, it's all positive and going in the right direction at this point in time. Yeah, and, and even when you look at the, the league table right now, I know there's only been three games so far but the table's so tight it's you know Celtic can sit in at the top with seven points and you know three points can take you three or four places up the league just like that and I know yes we're in the early stages but it just shows that the quality between the teams is just so tight yeah. um, so yeah I think to be on three points and you know if we go down to Rugby Park on Saturday and pick up three points we could easily move into the top six um, yeah with results kind of going away and things like that. So just it, it shows just how how tight it is. And and as Adam mentioned there, you know, we've got some favourable fixtures coming up uh, to build a bit of momentum and, yeah, kind of see where it, it takes us from there. So uh, just looking back to Saturday first, so I kind of made one change to the starting eleven that beat Airdrie in the Viaplay Cup the previous week. Jan Dander returned from injury and came straight into the starting eleven with Kyle Turner dropping to the bench. It was probably quite surprising. Um, I think a lot of county fans were hopeful that Yam was going to make it back, but I think we were all very pleasantly surprised to see him in the starting eleven. Um, but yeah, it was it was good to see him back, and and even Kyle coming on in the second half, you could see the impact he made as well, and had a point to prove after you know Yam coming in for him, and he's looking to try and keep that place in the starting eleven going forward. So kind of lined up with the usual four four two with Ross Laid on goals. James Brown at right back, Jack Baldwin and Ryan Leake at centre half, George Harmon at left back, Connor Randall and Victor Luturi in the middle of the park, Josh Sims on the right, Jan Danda on the left, and Jordan White and Simon Murray up front. I thought it was quite a good start by County. I think um Rangers were quite slow out the blocks so they were quite sloppy in possession at times. Um we pressed them well and kind of created a few half chances, kind of couldn't find the killer pass or the, the the quality uh delivery into the box to kind of uh open them up. There was a really good save from Laidlaw to deny Dessers at the back post from opening the scoring. And then a couple of minutes later it was the first controversial moment of the match. Uh Latouri drive through midfield and tries to slide the ball through to Simon Murray. John Suter covers the pass and goes down under minimal contact, I've got written down here from Simon Murray. Referee David Monroe lets the move play out as Simon Murray drives into the box and his shot forces a save from Butland. Butland spills the ball uh, into the path of Jordan White and David Monroe blows the whistle for the free kick just as Jordan White is rounding Butland to tap the ball into an empty net. So, Cleland's refereeing corner, take it away. <laughs> well, I'm just surprised. That my, my impression with the bar and everything else is... The initial decision by David Monroe wasn't to give a foul. I'm to let it play on. So are you not let, to let the move peter out? Now, maybe the way he's looked at it is, well, the keeper's saved the ball, but he's not saved the ball. He's spilt the ball. And that's continued the the actual action. So for me, it would be better off if he'd 
blown off the ball was in the back of the net by Jordan and then VAR could have made the decision if it was a foul or not. I've replayed it numerous occasions now because it was something I felt had... I remember it happening in the first half and I remember saying to people, what happened there? I actually thought at first it was offside or something like that. It was, you know, the way it played out from from my vantage point or I thought maybe the, the linesman had given something uh, in that situation. But when you see it back, it's clearly David Monroe, and it seemed to be on the reaction of the Rangers players. They actually sort of start to stop, as if to say, "Oh, there's a foul there," and that's what seems to have made up his mind. But looking at it, and I'm, I'm comparing it within a couple of minutes later to their first goal, the contact that was made by Simon Murray, and it was more the boy, his suitor's turned because he's realised Simon Murray's getting past him, and he's turned to in a way I wouldn't say obstruct him, but he's trying to get his body in the way. But they both bumped into each other. It's Simon Murray's chest at first, and then Murray's hands came out after that to balance himself, and and Suter's fallen over. So for me, it's not a foul. It's just a coming together, and the game should have played on. And it's just really frustrating because I'd rather they'd let it play out, and then at least the referee can go on a second look at it on the bar if it's ended up in the back of the net, rather than blowing early in the, in the move it'd be interesting to see it again maybe I'm taking a naive view and maybe there'll be someone who's a trained referee will explain why but I just looking at it there doesn't seem to be any logic but again I just felt a bit aggrieved watching back it was it was shown on the footage on the BBC and obviously Sky picked up on the live feed but they didn't really then go and analyse it and I'm a bit like well would you not want to pick out the balls in the back of the net just to say okay it was a foul it just maybe I'm being a bit biased as a county fan but for me it didn't look enough contact for it be, to be deemed a foul. It was more a coming together, in which case I'm pretty sure the referee's guidance on that one is it should play on. Adam, what did you think of it? And well, until I watched it back on the TV, I remember it at the game, I was a bit, a bit like Stephen, a bit bemused to why the play had been stopped. I thought it was initially offside as well. Um, I didn't really take anything of it at the time. I thought offside, VAR checked it, obviously. And I know he'd blown up before the ball had even made it to the back of the net. So my view on that was, well, it must be clear and obvious. You know, that clear and obvious, they're not referring back to VAR. But at the time watching the game, I didn't really think too much of it. It's not until I watched it back and thought, that's that's a bit odd. So, you know, like Stephen says, the ruling is now truly the player's got to, you know, go through the stages before you come back and, you know, look at it. But yeah, it's one of that ones that's, minimal contact as you say but against the old firm old firm biased we're not going to get that up here are we 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 talk about like players initial reactions to it i don't think Suter appeals for that i think Suter knows that he's in a bit of bother because he jumps up very quickly and it was interesting watching it back as well because i, I want to be sure that david moreau didn't blow his whistle as soon as murray made contact with Suter, and that's why the rangers players kind of started to slow down but he didn't, he didn't blow his whistle until the ball's literally coming to Jordan as he's rounding Butland. Yeah, it's it's odd. Stephen, as you say, I can understand if he blows for the free kick, if he believes it's a foul, if Butland's made the save and has the ball under control. Yeah. But there is still an attacking phase of play there. And the ball's in the box, it's loose. The Rangers players haven't played to the whistle. They've decided to stop. But then David Rose then assisted them, essentially, by blowing for the free kick. At yeah. the point he has. So, yeah, just an, an odd one. A really, really odd one. And it's, it's, It feels like a story we've seen so many times against the old firm where you're thinking, if it was the other way around, would the referee have blown? I'm not so sure. It just felt like it was a reaction to 
players turning around to him and claiming for a foul. And I'm thinking, oh, I better now give this. If not, I'm in trouble. But as you said, it wasn't, you know, for me, his initial thing was to play on when it happened. So he was clear in his mind it wasn't a foul until thereafter. And that's a bit disappointing. Um, yeah, it sometimes just feels like you're not going to get these decisions against the old firm. But then was that not what, why VAR was brought in so that it would take the pressure off the refs and they could then go and have it, you know, give them 10, 30 seconds to have a look at it again and say, okay, maybe not. You know, and for me, you could have argued that Stuart was trying to obstruct him and that Simon Murray's just got him out of the way. You know what I mean? It's been a coming together. So that's not really a foul. If he's trying to obstruct him, he's just got him out of the way. And it was more a, a test of strength, which for according to the referee, that's why Rangers' first goal was allowed to stand. It was a test of strength. Yeah. You mentioned a slightly controversial moment then a few minutes later with Rangers opener. And I think, you know, the the ball comes in from Barisic's corner and, and Roof was grappling with James Brown at the back post. Roof gets a kind of half yard on him to to volley the ball and to make it 1-0. But watching it back, they're they're both wrestling with each other. But at the time of the goal, James Brown was adamant he'd been fouled. And um, until you see it on the replays, there's certainly they're they're both grappling with each other, but there's certainly one movement from Roof where he's kind of got his arm around the back of Brown's neck to almost like pull him out of the way to give him that half yard. Um, I think it's a foul. I think if the referee gives it as a foul on the pitch, no one questions it. But then I don't think it's... Because then they're both at it, that potentially then causes the referee to then, you know, have to award the goal because it's not like... It's not like the penalty decision... Uh, that was overturned against Motherwell and Dingwall back at the end of February, start of March, where Jakovic kind of got his half yard on Butcher because he's pulled him out of the way. Like as yeah. a, blatant, a blatant pull in that motion to to get the half yard. But I think in, in real terms, if that was given as a foul, no one bats an eyelid at it and they probably agree that and we just play on. However, it's it's quite frustrating then to look back at it and especially when that movement from Roof gives him the half yard to, to tap it in. No, I agree with you on that one, Ross. I think um, what it is, is I don't mind players grappling if they're stable on their feet. You know, they can push and shove and they're on their feet. But as you said, the motion seems to be that he's pulled him. And at that point, then James Brown's off balance and it's created that yard for him then to get a strike in the ball. So again, for me, I was right behind it when it happened and I was actually quite confident. Well, this is going to VAR, it won't be given. So I was actually surprised when it was. Maybe I shouldn't be naive and say I'm surprised, but again, it just feels like, well, we just had a decision at the other end, not go for us, and then something very similar, if not worse, has gone unpunished. So it was just a bit frustrating. Um, and especially, we could have been 1-0 up, and at that point, then we're 1-0 down. And Obviously, we talked about the importance of trying to get a first goal against the old firm. That's it always seems key against them. If not, it gives them a platform to build from, and, and as that was the case in the first half. Adam, do you think that was a foul in there? Um, just prior to leading up to that goal, I was saying to myself, we need to stop conceding so many corners because every time Rangers got a corner, I thought they looked so dangerous. And we've seen it umpteen times at Dingwall getting corners. And I don't know how many times Golden scored a header against yeah. us and across our corner. And I'm, I'm seeing another corner coming. I'm thinking, I don't know how long we can put up with that. But with those sort of decisions, you would like to think they would weigh themselves out come the end of the season I think we'll see plenty of that type of decisions go with us 
as well as going against us. I used to be so frustrated with corners and set pieces. The moment the ball left the, the player's foot, the referee was blowing up for a foul on the box. And I just thought there was too much of it. Obviously, I, we know a foul is a foul, you know, if it's Stonewall, but I can't grumble with it too much. But like you say, when it's nil-nil at that point in the game and we can potentially go one the lap, you are thinking, you know, come on, but... You know, you win some, you lose some in that cases, but you see a lot of it, you know, last season, you said there, in some cases, it goes with us and it goes against us, but if that was at the end of the season and we were needing three points, I'd be shouting about it a lot more, I think. Yeah, totally. And if, if it's like a, I don't want to say like more of a winnable game, but in terms of, you know, if it's a, it's a vital three points, as you say, coming towards the end of the season and we're on the end of decisions like that, it's, it's questionable. Um, so... So yeah, Rangers then quickly made it 2-0 shortly after that. Uh, Tavenier picked up a loose ball in midfield, drove forward and fired at the ball into the top corner. It's probably an early goal of the season contender. You can only yeah. hold your hands up and say, you know, it's you, you know, just admire the moment of quality. I think um, in terms of just, it was perhaps a bit of a loose ball in midfield, um, a square pass which kind of got us caught out. They had Lammers over in the, the right wing, who was in acres of space, which I've seen a few people kind of questioning why Randall goes and commits himself the way he does to Tavernier. But I think he's almost trying to press Tavernier to play the ball wide to Lammers so that then he can continue his run on to press the man there. As soon as Tavernier decides to go inside, you know, asking Tavernier to go and put the ball in the top corner like that, I, he, he's done it, you know, during his career in Scottish football. But to do it the way he did there on the move was, you know, you just need to put your hands up and say, fair play, yeah. what a finish. No, I was, I was right behind it. and The angle, we could just see it arrowing in and you're just thinking, what a strike before it even hits the back of the net. Um, I think, at first, I, I I was thinking a wee bit at first that George Harmon and that had committed himself. But watching it back, what it really was is Latouris played a square ball and if anything, the players are already pressing up to go into that corner. Yeah. So if Latouri had just played it forward, we'd have probably been in a strong position because we had two or three boys pressing in that area as well. Simon Manning would have either got a throw in or gain yards at the park. So I think it was just more an error by Latouri playing the flat bomb. Sometimes as a team, we're a wee bit guilty of it. We did it against Aberdeen, where in the, the game when they won 1-0, it was Baldwin trying to play a flat ball across in the middle of the park. And again, boys were pressing. So I think it's something we just maybe have to be a wee bit conscious of that's cost us a few goals. Um, I don't try to be too critical of the players, but I just think sometimes, especially after you've lost the first goal against teams like Aberdeen and Rangers or you know, or the games in a bit of a knife edge, for me, it's just play the percentages, don't take a risk because you'll get a chance later on in the game. I just felt at 1-0, we sort of panicked a wee bit and started to try and chase the game. When it, I think we'd have been better off just settling down for 10 minutes, playing the percentages, get their fullbacks turned again and get a wee bit of pressure off us and just play it into the corners and then just work yourself back into the game from then. I just felt like give them a bit of impetus. And in fairness after the second one we settled down again, but at that point it's 2-0 and it's you know it's a it's a bit of a mountain to climb at that point. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Our predictions on last week's podcast weren't looking too rosy at that point, were they? <laughs> well I said two two. <laughs> I was just thinking where are we gonna get the two goals from though? That was my worry. More than uh, anything, you know, I'd say Rangers would get to, so it wasn't wrong on that side, but it's just unfortunate. In fairness, we did have some chances in the second half that could have gone that way. And again, if we'd got a bit of rub of the green and some 
better officiating, and I think we probably would have had better chances from it. But hey ho, that's the way it goes against the old firm. Half time, then just Rangers had a lot of possession in midfield. I thought since we were, the formation that we were playing with Latouri and Randall midfield, because they were up against the three of Campwell, Raskin, and, and Lundstrom, they were kind of getting outnumbered in there and they were getting a lot of control of the game. I, I don't know if it was just me, but I thought the chances that they created because they had like the Dessers header, uh, Laidlaw made another save from Lammers towards the end of the half. They probably had the, the better of the play, but going at 2 0 down, I thought was maybe slightly harsh. And just, I, I guess it was more of a you know, when you're going into games like this to concede from a set piece and then a wonder goal like that, it's probably just a little bit, I don't know, frustrating. You're kind of like, well, kind of like, how's this happened? Yeah, it was a bit frustrating because I thought we started great for the first 15 minutes when we actually got the ball down on the deck and started passing it about. We played some really nice stuff. And obviously we talked about the first goal there and the second goal, similar views to Stephen. I thought it was a sloppy goal to give away, take nothing away from the finish. But Latoury's played that ball, a hospital ball, I would say, into the feet. He can see Tavernier coming. And then, you know, Tavernier's picked up in the halfway line and ran it 20 yards. You know, I'd be looking at it in that sense. I was disappointed with that goal. I thought it was a poor one to give away. But from what happened from 20 yards to the top corner, you can't really complain about four goalkeepers in the net. You're not going to save it. But in terms of half time, a bit deflating. But to get results against the old firm, you've got to have a bit of a bit of luck, you've got to play well and you've got to have a bit of class somewhere in the game but the 2-0 I thought it's not dead, you know we've come back numerous times before in big games, recently as we well know um, but yeah I thought it would be a tough second half to take anything from it but um, I thought in the end 2-0 was respectable, you know, come the end of the game uh, Just before we jump into a couple of bits about the second half um, post-match there was a interesting couple of articles in some media outlets um, following the match. Comments made by the uh, sports sign team of John Robertson and Derek Ferguson, who were doing the commentary live at the game. Uh, they were talking that Jack Baldwin was lucky to avoid a second yellow card after pulling down Lammers outside the box and uh, were critical of David Monroe for a lack of consistency because they believed that was a, a yellow card in terms of the difference between the first one and what they believed should have been his second one. The only issue was that it wasn't Baldwin that made that foul. It was Harmon. Now, it probably is a booking, but it's quite surprising that these kind of comments have been circulated around and there's been a bit of a meal made of it because if you just watch the game back, you can see that it's uh, Baldwin doesn't commit the foul. Stephen, I guess it's... I don't know. It's, I, I said it to you on Sunday when I saw it and it was just bizarre. Yeah, it's just the usual central-based media for me. I know it might, it might sound like a broken record, but we had it earlier on in the season where Derek McInnes came out and started saying that Ross County didn't have a championship team in their, their League Cup group. I don't know what Morton are then if they're not a championship team, but no one in the media corrected it and they were quite happy to run that story. It just seems to be, and again, you know, I witnessed Derek Ferguson's comments at the end of the season after County had survived against Partick and he wasn't too complimentary about County to say the least. So I'm not surprised that this sort of nonsense takes place. Even if they corrected themselves later on and said apologies, but they ran with this. And this is what obviously they were bumping their gums about. And again, you just feel like it's because it's Ross County they don't take much interest. They just then throw names about. And again, I think obviously... Um, 
last season Baldwin had three red cards, two of which I would dispute very clearly, I felt were really harsh. One was probably deserved, um, or should I say sendings off. It just feels like it was uh, referred to tight then. Oh, well, if it's a last man challenge or a yellow card, it must have been Baldwin. And it was, as you said, he was nowhere near the incident they were referring to. So, again, that was a head scratcher for us. Because I'm saying I don't remember that part in the game either. So I just wish we just got, again, for me, it's a fair crack of whip for the rest. It's a fair crack of the whip in the media. And let's just have some accuracy to the reporting as well. You then do feel a wee bit, as a club in the north of Scotland, that you're not taken too seriously. But then how can we expect to take commentary teams too seriously or papers who are making comment about us when they're so inaccurate about things? It's unbelievable. Adam, you we we spoke a little bit about the article as well. It was quite it was quite odd to see. I don't know if they've maybe it, it certainly looked from with the TV camera and the, probably the angle that they were comment, commentating at as well. The Baldwin does cr- kind of cross the line, but it's it's a hundred percent Harmon that pulls Lammers down. But then the Rangers players then surround David Monroe. Actually, I, I think they're calling for a straight red for for Harmon for denial of a goal scoring opportunity, which is nonsense as well because James Brown's on the cover there quite comfortably. But I don't know if they've seen that and then kind of picked up on it from there? Yeah, well, I think I think these guys get replays as well. Mm. So, you know, if they've not picked up at the time, fair enough, because we all mistake things, you know, when the game's going on and it's 100 mile an hour. But when they can see it, and they've maybe realised after it, oh, it's a mistake and not bothered to say anything and let it spiral one thing to the next, <laughs> you know, it can get out of hand. But, you know, sometimes you sit down, you know, in front of the TV and you see a good game come on, then you see the commentators come along the bottom and then you want to turn it off, you know, because mm. they're rubbish. You know, in some cases you get this as well in Scotland, you know? Um, so then going into the second half, Malky made a, a slight change. He changed the shape to a 3-5-2. Uh, Will Nightingale came on at centre half and uh, replacing George Harmon, uh, which then allowed Danda to move then into the middle of the park uh, to make it three in there and kind of match up uh, with Rangers midfield. Um, I thought the 3-5-2 worked quite well um, and it kind of caught Rangers out a little bit right at the start the the second half we started in a similar way that we did in the first and um, only came inches away from halving the deficit when uh, Danda's cross was met by Jordan White but his header just drifted wide of the the near post and um, Stephen there's a fantastic shot of you guys behind the goal watching this as well and and you guys look like you thought it was in your brother Scott was halfway up celebrating as well before before it drifted wide so um, yeah yeah just, just inches just, wide just as well there's no um microphone was what Scott said at the time <laughs> um, yeah Joe you know and again you know not just in that move but credit to Simon Murray I thought Simon was excellent in the second half of what I always say he does well he peels out wide to yeah. come in and I thought you know you saw Rangers they had to make the subs because um, what was happening is we were getting a, quite a bit of domination down that side and he was getting one on one against their defence um, but the first ball to Dan, and it was a great clip ball by Dan, Dan. Just for Jordan, it's one of those ones, even if he squaffs the header a wee bit, it doesn't come off the head as accurately as he did. It's probably arrowing into the top corner, and it's just one of those unlucky ones. But you know what? I felt that even though we missed that chance, we didn't. it didn't put our heads down at that point. We, we had a lot of pressure in this, in this next sort of spell, and it was maybe just, as you said before, that final quality of ball in. There was a couple of times we got to the byline, and Rangers would all just seem to get a leg or a block on it or shoot across. But I felt, you know, for a response after what happened the first half, I thought it was really good. Do you know what I mean? At that point, I thought, I actually thought we were going to get something at that point. I really did at that point. And then 
Rangers made the subs and it maybe just pushed us back that wee bit. I think the sort of killer for us was where Sims had a great bit of work, the shot, and Butland saved the ball. And again, <laughs> there's four officials on the ground, not one of them saw it as a corner, which I just, again, scratching my head when everyone else on the ground saw it as a corner. And you're, you're what even that, just to keep the momentum going at that point in time. Yeah, um, I'll come on to that, Sims' uh, chance in a little bit. But I guess, Adam, as, as Stephen mentioned there, that Rangers were really kind of penned back in that opening stage and it wasn't until the substitutions that they made they kind of started to get a bit of a uh, a stranglehold on the, the game again. So um, I guess that was just testament to how the boys kind of came out and, and put them under pressure because they didn't really have an out ball until Matondo and, and Sima came on and they were kind of really getting pressed in. Uh, and, and yeah, it felt like the momentum was certainly in our favour and if we grabbed a goal in that, uh, opening 10-15 minute period of the second half it could have been game on yeah I think Stephen touching it there that was a massive chance for Jordan White I'm interested to think what you guys hear on that is it should he have scored it was it a sitter I thought he did the hard bit he'd beaten Suter and he'd had a metre of space around him but it's easy to say I was watching it on the TV but if that had gone in the back of the net it could have been a you know a very different second half and I thought we looked great when um, Turner came on I thought he changed it a bit for us in the middle of the park. I thought he was, you know, beating a man, creating a bit of space. I thought we looked quite good, but I never thought we really, you know, did enough in forward areas to, you know, put them under pressure. I guess, Stephen, you mentioned the Sims chance there and uh, the the save, I'll use quotation marks, saves uh, by Butlin because David Rowe didn't believe it was a save. But um, I do wonder if he actually gave the goal kick because watching the replays back, it's it's a foul by Brown in the build-up on Barisic. Yeah. And I think he's kind of, he's got the first one wrong, so he kind of has to then yeah, the, the even it out a little bit. Yeah. Up, yeah, no, I get that. I get that. I'm fairness, if, yeah, if we'd scored from it, I'm pretty sure it would have been taken away from us. But again, if he's not given it, and he can't replay fouls. He should really be given the corner then if you've seen the touch. And I don't believe none of the officials saw the, the, the touch in there. Also, credit, of the, what I would say is, you know, yeah, I ought to agree about Turner coming on. And there was a bit where Turner was really cool as ice, but he meandered through about two or three of them and was just unlucky not to get the, the shot away. He just got blocked in the end. But I also want to give credit to Will Nightingale. What I thought Nightingale did well is he stepped up into the middle of the park to create extra capacity and overload yeah. them. I thought he was really brave in that. He was winning the ball, but stepping up into that area as well and pressing on. And I felt it made a massive difference. As we said, until they brought the subs on, they didn't really have an out ball at that point in time. They were starting to, but they were getting stretched as well. I thought County stretched them really good. There was quite a few options that we got one-on-one and managed to get in there. And it was just that, maybe that final ball. Um, I felt we put them under a lot of pressure. There were some good balls across, but it was just, into the right areas. It was that final quality of ball. There were some good ones went in, but it was just, you know, a cut back, but instead of being cut back in the six yards, it could have been on the penalty spot. You know, just these sort of small things. But again, you're playing against a team where you're not going to get many opportunities and the pace is higher. And I think sometimes, as Adam made a good point, he did the hard, uh, with Jordan's head, he did the hard part of getting away suitor, but it's happening so quick at that time. You're sometimes not aware as much of what your surroundings are if you had more time in a game where you you know the intensity is less and you've got a bit more time to pick your spot so it was just unfortunate that time but yeah there was a few things going on in there which I felt if we just got a break I think we could have really at 2-1 I think we could have even with them bringing the subs on I think it could have really went end to end at that point 
Ross Laidlaw was pretty busy uh, making save, really good saves from Matondo and Sima. Towards the end of the match, in the last five minutes or so, uh, there was a free kick just in the left-hand corner of the box. Danda's delivery was excellent and it looked like Will Nightingale was destined to make contact at the back post, but Seema knocked it behind for a corner. Final action of the match really saw Turner's long free kick, uh, which was taken down by Jordan White in the box and his left foot shot was saved by Butland and Rangers just kind of saw out the the rest of the match, finished 2-0. I guess despite the score, Adam, there was positives to, to take away from it. Yeah, 100%. I thought, you know... Although we didn't have much of the possession, you know, in, in a lot of the game, I thought when we got the ball down and played with it on the deck, we played some really nice stuff. And I thought we opened Rangers up a few times. And if we're doing that against Rangers, you know, we can do it against everyone else. Um, but no, there was plenty of positives. I thought, I thought we were we were solid enough at the back. Obviously, you've got the goal um, from Tavernier and the, the one, but you know, we didn't look like every time they came forward they were going to get a goal. And I think that's important because we've seen it happen Dingwall before, where it's been. Three, four, five, nil. You know, coming on seven, eight, nine, and uh, yeah, Laidlaw did pull off a couple of good saves, but you know, it's expected when you're playing the old firm. You know, the goalkeeper needs to play well in every match, but yeah, you can't really take too much away from you know Celtic and Rangers. You know, coming up here because you know it's a free hit at the end of the day. You know, as long as it's not a cricket score and it's not too damaging come the end of the season, then you know they're not doing too bad. Yeah, I I agree with you in terms of defensively there as well because it only felt like Rangers were cr- kind of creating their chances in the second half because County were trying to chase the game, you know, with Matondo's mm-hmm. pace yeah. and, and Seema on the other side, you know, because Brown and uh, Josh Reed who who came on as well were playing so high, it was almost kind of leaving like three three uh, three v three at the back and you know. Yeah, Matondo's, the game open at that point. Yeah, with Matondo's pace up against like Nightingale and, and things like that, he had a bit of a, a bit of joy down that side and kind of created a couple of chances. But in terms of you know they they weren't really opening us up much from you know when we were in our shape, which is which is good. And I was the same even down at Celtic Park. We were it was hardly like we were kind of getting cut open time after time again, which you know will be positive leading into the rest of the season. And, and Stephen, I guess just a, 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 well, it could be a question for both of you guys, Stephen first. Because of the the change to three five two and and how well that worked, do you think that's potentially something then that we'll look to bring down to Rugby Park on Saturday? Would you predict us going back to the four four two from the start, or do you think we'll go with a three five two? And and because Kelly have been playing that for the majority of the the start of the season so far, can I try and match them up? Yeah, they could do it, Kilmarnock. They could do. Um, we'll we'll probably go on. Oh, say we'll review the Kilmarnock game or the preview of the Kilmarnock game coming up in bit. Yeah, I think it's not a criticism of Latoury, but even if we were going to stay 4-4-2, I'm looking at Turner and going, I think he'd had enough of an impact when he came on. And obviously Latoury had to go off, um, but I'm looking at Turner and thinking he's probably made enough of an impact to say, OK, it's his turn in the rotation now. I, you know, Hopefully Danda's hip's OK and reacted fine. Obviously, I'm just thinking of that all-weather pitch down there. It might play a wee bit into the hands of that. But ideally, I'm looking at it and thinking, for me, there's a way you could probably work in with Randall covering the back there and having Turner and Danda in there being creative. And and you know what I mean? It, I suppose it just depends when you go away from home. Do you know what I mean? It's easier maybe to do that in Dingwall and be a bit more expansive. And it is a tighter pitch in Dingwall, so you can be a bit more risky in that and still have cover. 
Preferably, I would like to see probably Turner get his start with Danda and have Randall in behind and let Maturi drop to the bench on that one. Um, so, for formation-wise, I can understand why sort of that 3-5-2 potentially would work. But again, it depends on, obviously, um, Leek. It looked like he went off with it and knocked his foot and that. So, it's a pay- it depends on what options we've got, do you know what I mean, and going into that game. So, it might be if we've had a few knocks that that might dictate to us what formation we're going to be playing anyway. I don't know. So you realise Leek went off with the knock. I, th- I thought it was just because I thought they took Harmon off just to try and physically match up with uh, Lammers over in the on the right hand mm. side or Rangers right or left. And then once kind of Lammers was was out of the game, yeah. I thought that's potentially why they just tried to chase a little bit more. But yeah. interesting if there's potentially a knock there. Um, I just saw him holding his foot. That's why there was a couple right. of times it looked like he was holding his foot. So I'm, I'm assuming that that's why he came off because at that point as well. I thought he was having a good game. Do you know yeah. what I mean? He hadn't put a foot wrong again, like, do you know what I mean? So yeah. I'm assuming that's what the change was made for, unless it was tactical. But it just looked like from his reaction before that, that he was down, was holding his foot a wee bit at that point in time. Yeah. Adam, what do you think? Do you think it'll be a 4-4-2 or a 3-5-2? Or both? Even they could um, do one and one for each half? I think you could see them changing it. Uh, again. But I, I think we might start with the 4-4-2. I think we might be quite cautious going down there. You know, Kamarnik have started well at home this season. Obviously, they've beaten Rangers and Celtic down at Rugby Park. Um, it wouldn't surprise me if we matched them up and went 3-5-2. And like um, Stephen said, I would love to see Danda and Turner together. But going away from home, and I do worry having them both in the midfield, it would be too light in the midfield. You know, you look if we've got Sims, uh, Danda, Turner... Randall, he's you know you know he's going to be capable of putting in a tackle, but I sometimes just worry we can be too light in midfield, you know, come the bigger games. But when we're at home, I would love to see us be more attacking, you know, and get and get the guys in the pitch because I think it gives the opposition something to think about. But in terms of going down to Rugby Park, I think we'll probably start quite cautious because I think it's going to be a tough game down there. Yeah, no, I agree. I am. Um... I think especially you made the point there um, with kind of going down to Rugby Park with like a killing midfield of, you know, the options they've got in there of um, David Watson, Kyle McGuinness, Liam Donnelly, um, you know, they're physical players in the middle of the park who will try and get in about you and put a foot in. So I guess it's trying to, you know, match that physicality as well. And um, that's an interesting point you made there too. Um Looking ahead to then uh, Saturday, you mentioned there Killian made a really good start, picking up impressive wins against Rangers on the opening day of the league season and then against Celtic in the second round of the Via Play Cup. They'll be looking to bounce back after a 2-1 defeat down at Fir Park against Motherwell, where ex-Daggy Harry Payton scored a 98th minute winner for Motherwell. Uh, they've got a couple of dangerous players in their side. Danny Armstrong's a familiar face to, to county fans after his time up here. He's a constant threat on the right-hand side and Marley Watkins will be looking to add to his tally of two goals in his last two matches as well. Um, we'll be going down there to kind of avenge the uh, defeat on the final day of the league season where Kelly's 3-1 victory secured their premiership status for the for this season and consigned us to the, the playoffs, but that was all fine in the end. So, um, and yeah, uh, we'll be looking for a first victory at Rugby Park since September 2017, where goals from Craig Curran and Kenny Vanderveg earned County a 2 0 win in Owen Coyle's first match in charge. So, Stephen, do you think we can break that record and take the three points back up the A9? 
yeah, I think we can do. I think we can do. I think I think people are sort of associating um, what's potentially going to happen here with the, the game at the end of the season there. Now, what we have to remember is Kelly were in quite a good bit of form at that point in time and, and picking up. And McInnes has sort of got his, you know, the... Um, the players playing well. We had sort of picked up ourselves a wee bit in the, the split. Um, but it was just one of those days it just didn't work for us. But yeah. I also think one of the issues we had, we had so many injuries at that point. The bench was threadbare and we didn't, we weren't really able to change it too much. And if I remember, Jordan came off with a head knock as well, which impacted our ability to play off of Jordan. So I think going down to Kilmarnock this time, we have a lot more options off the bench, which I think it'll make it a lot closer game. Um, but I feel we could steal it 2-1. I honestly do think we've got an opportunity to go and do something down there. And the reason I'm saying that is Kilmarnock have sort of talked so much about their home record. You know, obviously, they've not done that great on the road already. They've only drawn at Tynecastle 0-0, if I was right, and then they lost there to, to Motherwell. And I think everyone's talking about this great home record, but we've known that ourselves. You know when you play the teams that you think you should do something against, that's when the banana skin can happen. I have a wee feeling that County might just be that banana skin for Kilmarnock on Saturday and maybe just nick something 2-1. I, I just got a feeling we've got one or two options that come off the bench and, and nick a few goals. And I think it'll be a lot tighter than the 3-1, the which in fairness, they deserve that 3-1 win down there. We yeah. only really had, you know, like a 10-minute cameo really where we, we had a go at them. Do you know what I mean? When it went 2-1. I do feel this time, I think it'll be a lot tighter. And I think we can, we can match up, maybe not as... Uh, Adam was saying about strength in the middle of the park, but for legs and mobility, I think if we can be clever about it, we could actually play a really good game where we've got the ability to run at players and we've got fit players at this time. We're not picking up the injuries. There's not boys playing with as many knocks. So I just have a feeling we've got a, a real opportunity to do something here and I think we might nick it 2-1 down there. Maybe I'm being a bit biased and overconfident, but I just have a feeling you sometimes find that a team coming down there, which Kilmarnock will think, they should be beating County after the last time. That can always sort of play out differently than you expect. We've seen it ourselves. We've done it. We've made the mistake ourselves. And Dingwall thinking, oh well, we've got a chance this week. It'll be an easier game for us. And that's the one you always get tripped up on. Adam, what's your thoughts? Um, I, I just can't believe it's 2017 since we last beat them down there. It's mental, isn't it? Yeah. Well, that that just that shows for uh, for me, but. Whenever we're playing the likes of your Kilmarnocks and Livingstons and the teams that are you know around about the same as us, I always think if we can go down there and take a point and get some and you know get a win off them in Dingwall, and that's the way to go. But I think it's, it is going to be a tough game. I think you'll know in the first fifteen minutes of the game where it's going to go. Um, they've got some quality players in their team, and I think McInnes has, has built them so they're hard to beat. I don't think they play the most, you know, the best football at times. It's not the best to watch, but they grind out results. So I think they'll they'll make it tough down there. Um, I would certainly be happy if they came away with a point and then obviously look to get something when they come up to, to Dingwall later on in the year. It's, it's, it's such a tricky one. You always hear people going on about the surface down there as well. You know, they play in it every week, but I just don't, I just don't find that an excuse because, you know, up here, obviously Ross County, they've got the indoor astroturf, turf, they've got the outdoor astroturf. turf. You know that's there for them to train on week in week out, along with many other teams. You know, um, you know Livingston with the plastic pitch. I would love to see them get rid of them, but I think that's 
sort of leads you into a false sense of security going to places like that because it's it's already a mental block going to those places. But um, yeah, if, if they come away with a point down there, I'd be more than happy. But if we can get a win, then I'll be delighted. Do you guys see, I think it was Ewan Cameron's uh, comments after the Achilles win against Celtic in the, the Via Play Cup about um, the all the issues with AstroTurf and stuff like that. Obviously, it's it's a real talking point, but he said one of the other issues that's not spoken about is um, that they smell and they can affect uh, the player's senses <laughs> on the park and stuff like that. And it's like, it's like, oh my God, like, I don't know, just, yeah, it was... Not, not, not to get too technical with it, um, um, obviously, I don't get too much into my line of work and that, but in the leisure industry and, and what I do for a living, but we've dealt, I've dealt a lot with over the years of with the all-weather surfaces. And the interesting thing is, even though it looks on the surface, you think, well, it's just another all-weather pitch, there's a variety of different stuff that can take place. Some of it is the shock pad below it, which can make a difference. So the surface can be deemed as a harder surface or a, a thicker shock pad. Um, but also the cram and the depth that goes into and that and the infill. Um, and it's also how it's maintained. They're supposed to be brushed daily. So there was a couple of years ago now when Rangers were playing Aloha and there was a concern um, that the, the pitch had been brushed as well as it should have been. So there was a whole heap of rubber cramp put in and it made it just an absolute disaster of a pitch. So it, it can vary from surface to surface. And what I would say is if you look at Comarnock's record, I don't think it's a coincidence the majority of their points they've picked up have been at home not on the road. So there certainly is an advantage to them in that respect. I get what Adam's saying about, you know, teams do train on all-weather surfaces and, you know, try not to use an excuse and agree to that to a point, but there certainly is an advantage for them. But I just think then, you know, we saw it down there as well. It was interesting as well, just before the match down there um, at the end of the season, the water cannons appeared and blasted before the players came back out again, which made the surface slippy for the first 15 minutes, but then it dried. So... It depends how they want to play it. I think if county, if, if we can be guaranteed that it's a zippy surface, I would go with a team, if, it, if, if rain's forecasting, you know it's going to zip, go with a team that's got legs and ability to move about and I think we could really hurt them. Um, and I certainly don't want to use the pitch as an excuse, but I certainly think it does give them some form of advantage. But as far as smelling in their senses, I've never heard that one before, like, Joanne. You know, that's only because the players spend too much time on the ground. Yeah. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> maybe, maybe that's what it is, Adam. But, Certainly, the, the, there is variations, even though it's the same relative surface on top, depending on the rubber cram, depending on how it's brushed. And teams can use that to their advantage. I think what they'd said, wasn't it, against... Was there water? Was a, one of the pitches, the all weather, there was a water issue recently or something in one of the games. And I was watching... Who was it? It was maybe the English Premiership. They were talking about a game got delayed because there wasn't water in the area and they couldn't water the pitch. And the oh. ball wasn't rolling as much. Was that the Brentford Tottenham game? Yes, was there was something a, there was talk about that. Water, water yeah, yes, yeah. So, you know, it, they, they, they can manipulate the pitch to suit their style. And as Adam rightly pointed out, McInnes is notoriously a hard working, slow the game down, try not to get anyone past us, you know, nick a goal here or there. So I wouldn't be surprised if they'll minimal minimize the water that's going on. But it depends on the conditions. If we can get a day where the there's a zip in the park. I think County could outplay them, and especially the legs you've got from the attacking point of view, Simon Murray, and someone as clever as Brophy, who's played there before. And again, how often does an ex-player come back to haunt you? And I just got a feeling Brophy could come off the bench and get the winner against them. 
Yeah, very true. I am. I'm just checking the weather forecast here for Saturday at uh, Kilmarnock, and right now it is um, sunny spells with um, some clouds, um, but a temperature of about 18 or 19 degrees when the so, game's playing played. So no slick surface potentially, but um, but yeah. Um, who would have thought that we've got Cleland's refereeing corner and Cleland's astroturf <laughs> corner as well? Corner, yes, I. We're, we're going. It's like the Beach Grove Garden now. The way I'm going with it, like yeah. yeah you get everything on this podcast to tell you, honestly. <laughs> um, yeah, so you're going with a two-one win, Adam. You're going with. Uh, I'm going to score. I'm going to score draw. Score draw. Okay, I'll go with yeah. a two. I'll go with a two-nil no win. Um, we'll get back up the road with three points. Uh, going to the international break with six points out of 12 and yeah everything will be nice and rosy for that so right let's get a little bit more of a preview for that game and we'll jump into the club's weekly press conference so first of all we'll hear from club captain Jack Baldwin hey, just in terms of Keith leaving in the summer it's a slightly different role for you now as well as club yep. captain how's, how's that step up being from team captain to club captain and what are the differences in that um, yeah it's been it's, it's been it's been different there's the different um, like off the field matters where you kind of last year Keith he was kind of doing a lot of the communication and um, like organising if you want to say obviously that now falls to me so um, it, obviously last year it was a case of when Keith he wasn't playing I'd get the armband on the match day and uh, happy happy, happy enough to do that this year there's a little bit more to it but um, ultimately a role that I feel that I can can thrive in and, and, and do well at um, and one that I've uh, I've done uh, a few times now, so um, yeah. Listen, it's it's, it's great. To, uh, it's an honour to be to be named club captain, and one that I hope I can do the uh, do the club proud with. And you mentioned the the other centre halves that have come in as well, and, and Ryan and Will. They've come up from England into Scottish football for the first time. Yeah. It was obviously a move you made a couple of years ago as well. I guess it's probably a good thing for them that they've got players that have made that move before that have experienced Scottish football for the first time and settled well that. You know they can look to in, in the coming months as well. Yeah, definitely. I think that's that's the case with kind of anywhere you go. You, you look to people who've kind of been there and done it and kind of seen how they reacted. And um, as I said before, they're, they're 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 great lads as well off the pitch. So I think that helps if they um, they want to come and try and throw themselves into it and be a part of everything we're doing as a group as well. So um, yeah, I mean they've they're fitting seamlessly at the moment and. Um, it's a, it's a challenge that, like you say, playing alongside mm. myself who's been there and done it, they can kind of hopefully <laughs> take things from me if they need to. Um, but listen, they're, they're, they're grown lads. They they probably fend for themselves if they if they need to at times as well. So um, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm there if they need a hand. But I think they've settled absolutely fine, and I think they'll continue to do so. Yeah, you spoke about the continuity from the group last season as well, and and the games so far we've seen a good portion of the start 11 I think it's nine and out of the starting 11 have been here from last season as well so I guess with the new players that come in, come in and the, the lift from the playoff final win last season as well I guess standards have been raised both on and off the pitch as well yeah and as uh, one of the biggest things coming into this year that we we, we knew we didn't want to be there again this year so um, it was a case of raising the bar across everything that we've done um, and I think with the, the the latest additions to the squad um, they come in and they're part of something where they wasn't a part of last year in that kind of 
that relegation fight that we was in um, and they've come into kind of a fresh start for themselves and a fresh start for us as well because like I say we're, we're driving the standards more and more so every day um, amongst ourselves amongst the staff and um, doing everything we can to make sure that we, we get off to the best possible start and give ourselves the best chance going forward to, to, to climb the league and finish this season strong I guess you're looking to continue that start on Saturday down at Rugby Park as well. Obviously, Kamara could make a good start, but are you guys going down there with a bit of revenge in mind from the last day of, uh, of the league season last season where it was, it was 3-1 and they secured their premiership status? And obviously, um, yeah, is there a bit of kind of sense of you want to right that one from that match there? Yeah, I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't use the word revenge, so to speak, but I think that we, as a group, as a club, we know that the game there last year we didn't do ourselves justice so um, listen take what you want from that but we, we know that we um, didn't really make a good account of ourselves that day so um, hopefully this time this time around it will be it'll be much better and now let's hear from Malky and hear his thoughts on what it's like to be a manager in the run up to transfer deadline day but a few days to achieve the result against Rangers what are your takeaways from the performance and result um, just I suppose uh, overarching it's it's um, it's one of confidence and our ability to um, at times make them feel uncomfortable the top team testing herself against a team that are playing in Champions League tonight there's a starting point um, live on television full house uh, playing against a team that have brought a lot of uh, new players in to the point where I'd didn't really have an idea of what team was coming out against us or even what shape was coming out against us so um, that shows the size of the squad and the depth of it and um, the, the variety of ways they can play I know Michael Wells is a good guy and um, you know I knew it was going to be a tough test for us clearly but again I think we made Rangers feel uncomfortable at times which is in credit to the players that we didn't um, go under uh, I thought we started really well and then I thought uh, we allowed them and that was the, probably the bit that I was most disappointed with for a, a period of the first half we allowed Rangers to well, allowed the wrong word Rangers, Rangers are a top team so we didn't do enough to actually stop them getting into their rhythm um, and they scored two really good goals I've got no qualms about either goal um, the second half I thought we I thought we showed real um, steel and um, decisiveness more than anything else I think that's the word I used on, to the players this week Um that we, we looked much more decisive in the second half and tweaked it in terms of the shape and a couple of personnel but um, the fact that we, we really went on a, a footing that looked, made us look much more secure and confident in the second half um, but when we didn't we went clinical you know we, we get our chance and we, we don't take it and then Silla saves one from under the bar which is incredible to be fair that, that you know another day Will Nightingale's tapping in so um, when I look back on it, um, yeah, the report card, I suppose, is good, but no cigar. You mentioned there the change of personnel and the, the slight change of formation in the second half. You've spoken about you wanting the, the guys in the bench to come on and make an impact, mm-hmm. and you know, looking at Will coming on at half time, Kyle, Josh, you know, they've all come on and made positive impacts. Yeah, definitely, and, and this is, you know, I, I want this to be fluid to be able to move from, you know, um, a system where it's five yards one way and five yards another but also in the personnel that come on to be able to hit the ground running and immediately cause a problem and impact the game and that's what I'm hoping that we're getting to with this group that I'm seeing more consistency 
and what it always does, as I say, what it also does is the fact that it drives people on. Because if you know that, that if the guy's coming on off the bench, if he comes on, I know there's a damn good chance if he does well, he's staying in and I'm getting out. So what we've we've got to strive for this year is that consistency of uh, performance, because that then makes it difficult for me to actually drop people. It makes it more difficult for me to to who's not going to be on the bench. And that will hopefully is a big, a big kind of um, mindset change between last year and this year. And in terms of just looking ahead to the next couple of days, you know, as a manager doing towards the end of the transfer window, what's your experiences of that? Is it a bit of a stressful time? I'm sure you know every transfer window and the mm-hmm. you've had, you know, it's been slightly different situations. So. Yeah, I, I've, that's a good question. Uh, eventually, I think. At one point, I turned my phone off and went for a bath uh, one year in the hope that my centre-forward wasn't being sold. Um, and the transfer window was closed by the time I came out of the bath because I do like to lie in the bath for a long time. Um, I was hoping I wasn't going to just slip under the water when I turned the phone back on and I, thankfully he was still at the club. Um, but I do get the balance between uh, assets having to, to balance books. Uh, we've also been in the last 15 minutes trying to rush paperwork through for a big transfer uh, when I was down at Cardiff um, and we were, we were 15 minutes before time we managed to do a deal um, with West Ham to bring in a player um, which was which was great at the time so uh, as far as up here is concerned uh, in January we were, we were we were very very late concerning Guion Edwards in the last minutes we got to and uh, but obviously you know Roy loves this stuff he loves it uh, I'm not sure it's as, it's as enjoyable for Stephen um, and it's certainly not enjoyable but she's in a frenzy Fiona McBean who's actually the um the guru of paperwork and all things administrative uh, excellence. So um, the good thing is we've got somebody like her who is absolutely tops when it comes to understanding rules, regulations, and um, how th- how administration is done between clubs, between countries, between different associations. But it's uh, it can be an interesting time, or it can be you can hope that it can be. You should generally hope that it's reasonably quiet because it, it means that you're doing last-minute things and there's got to be a reason for that. Either you're not um, you're not efficient and you've not done things you know, um, with enough time or um, you're, you're reacting to something and invariably that costs you. Um, and then sometimes it's just something pops up that's too good to not do or oh we have to let that happen because that's too much money for us not to deal with so all of the above is, is kind of interesting yeah. and I guess good it's, question I like that you, you mentioned that all the people there feel the role I guess it's so important there's not a lot of people by the way when, when we're all sitting trying to rush about but yeah exactly I guess it's so important to have you know, your team on the same page, everyone's working together to try and push through deals where it's coming to the last couple of minutes with Leon's deal in January or, you know, it's, it's, it's a great part of our football club. You know, um, 
some of their greatest weaknesses and also their, their massive strengths for the football club because there isn't a lot of people here um, which means everybody is full out um, two hats three hats uh, you know and, and it's really tough at times for a lot of the people that work here I, I'm, I'm, you know when I say tough I mean the, the amount of hours and the, the day they do every day of the year and we are on a we are on a invariably a seven day deadline every week so you know there's a football clubs are, are, are and, it, and it's very very impactful and results driven and uh, the kind of the temperature in the room dependent on every Saturday at five o'clock and then on Tuesday night and things that need done with deadlines attached to them every week and it doesn't change and it's relentless I'm talking about for staff of football clubs and I'm not talking about for me and um, you know the, the mood in the camp and the mood of the area and the mood in the press and the media dependent on something that they have got no control over and they are then at the coalface trying to affect and take the brunt of and deal with and make better and I've seen it at, at a variety of clubs it makes a big di- big di- excuse me it makes a big big difference when um Everyone is on one site. Um, when we, you know, I've been where there's training grounds and stadiums and there's people working in both areas, that is a can be an issue. Um, but certainly our football club, where everybody's working here together, and there's not many people here, everybody knows and, and who should know what's actually happening. Uh, there's a good communication, um, you know, part of it, and you know, if you're someone that. Um, it's hugely important that our football club has been as the club secretary since her father Donny uh, retired um, and as I say knows the ins and outs of um, every rule in Scotland to do with football and some in England um, and what I've asked her to do really since I came was, was actually make her the team manager which is um, invariably something that's a European thing and it's something that's a it's a national association thing and it, it's, it's basically the, the, the running the operations um, of the aspect of the football team so and she's embraced that and what it means is it means things don't get drips are caught and nothing gets through the cracks um, and it makes for a much more fluid um, easy working week um, and you know between that and between the everyday conversations that myself and Mr McGregor and, and Stephen have means that there's a, there's a transparency there and if there's something that you've got to talk about that's difficult, at least it's said every day and there's nothing, there's no surprises. I'd like to think that no matter what um, I'm doing here um, with the football club and, and always with the football club at heart, there's no surprises because we're constantly talking about what has come up, what might come up, what is, what is I'm thinking, what might be able to happen and what can't happen. At least it's all on the table. So... That's not the same way as it is at every football club. More and more is is um, is um, football has changed. The football ownership has changed. More and more, that's not the case. Um, but to be able to have a, a line direct to your the decision maker at the football club um, certainly is different from what it used to be when you used to think of how the relationships worked with. Um, manager, chief executive, board of directors, chairman, ownership. A lot of places now it's it's manager, 
consultant owner, which, you know, this person here could be, or sporting director for a period, and agent, you know. There's, there's so many different factions now that make that an incredibly murky world as to uh, where communication goes from the manager's lips to eventually what the ownership gets is, can be completely different. And I'm lucky that uh, we don't have that here. I guess, you know, looking back to the January window, both Simon and Guillaume came in on Dead Monday. Do plans slightly change then for, you know, looking ahead to Friday, you guys will probably be travelling down to Glasgow and just logistically yeah. possible moves that would kind of come from that. Is it kind of a, you know, we're in modern day society where so much paperwork's now electronic, you know, we're yeah. not relying on dodgy fax machines. To no, that's true. No, you're, you're spotting with that. that used to be the, 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 somebody had me turned a fax machine on somewhere. Uh, you know, paper had run out. Uh, a, a phone line had gone down. Um, and and yeah, everything is um, everything is online based now. Or most of it is online based, and um, and the people that are involved in it in terms of uh, the the football associations, uh, the federations, and clubs um, have got kind of communication with each other on that final day. Um, and I think like anything now, we can you can work anywhere in the world. So. Um, even right down to being able to be on Zooms so you know I think the, the fact that it's it's always been one where you know a day's picked and I think no matter where you are um, somebody will play on that night I think we, we did it in maybe in January I'm not sure yeah, maybe it was yeah. last year I can't remember but the, certainly the, we were actually playing one night it was Simon Murray's deal came out through and he was able to play that night. I think. The game that night, and, it, and you're like, really? Uh, we have to deal with this and we're yeah. in the middle of games on. And you're travelling and there's, there's, you're in hotels and things like that. I, I don't think that's, that's an easy answer yet. I think, but there has to be a deadline, there has to be a date of it. Um, obviously, there was, uh, you know, there's, there's been various dates floated. Should it happen the day before the league season starts? Should that be the transfer window close? Why is it 30th of August and and then what um, what does that look like in other associations in terms of are they getting a hop on you because they're still theirs are still open so um, it's just a time of the year that I'd like to I like to, to put to bed very very quickly. I guess that's helped by getting so much of the business done early on in the window and I, as you said there it's not kind of a desperate scramble to try and get bodies in the door later on. That certainly made a difference this year. Yeah. It certainly helped. And there's a wee bit of luck involved in that as well because if it's like anything, the English uh, clubs come back a little bit later as well, which means they don't start, you know, getting their house in order um, or getting players in a little bit later, which means their outs change and sometimes you're waiting on somebody putting someone in somewhere to then get one of their players out. It's a domino effect everywhere. It's just, um, it's a, stressful time of the year and you know you can be um, the downside of, of of it getting done early is it happens on my holidays so I'm <coughs> walking around the pool with a with a phone um, shouting buy sell sell buy uh, rather than taking a bit of time with the family and trying to convince Carl to come at the same time on that holiday as well yeah yeah that was a, that was a bizarre yeah. <laughs> we ended up in the, the same uh, standing at the same reception desk at two o'clock in the morning, making the idle chit chat, and then a couple of days later, he's, we're having a conversation about him coming. So, 
Yeah. Strange, strange exactly. Strange how the world works. Looking ahead to Saturday as well, obviously, Killian had a really good start. The couple of wins against both sides of the old firm at Pumpkin Park, you know, um, taking our positive start down there as well, looking to take three points back at the road. Yeah, yeah, a really difficult game. Um, it'll, be a, it'll be a tough one for us. Um, Derek's a, a good man, a good manager. And it's, a, it's going to be a really tough game for us, undoubtedly, but we're really looking forward to it. Are you expecting anyone back forward that match? Or is it actually such a same squad? Should be, should be the same group uh, from the Rangers game. Okay. Uh, we've got a couple of knocks, but they're more, I think they're more, more weeks than, than days. Now, uh, we're just going to jump into a little bit that recorded on Sunday. So I think it's safe to say that the trips that the Norwegian Staggies make to Dingwall are pretty legendary amongst most county fans. We all know of them. So I caught up with Jan Hevroy to chat about the 56, yes, 56 trips he's made to Dingwall and some of his favourite county memories and just find out why exactly county. So here it is. Right. I am delighted to be joined by a very special guest this week on the podcast. We've all heard of the Norwegian Staggies and I'm delighted to be joined by one of them, Jan Hevroy. Jan, welcome to the podcast. Uh, thank you very much. Uh, it's great, great to have you on. We've all heard the stories about um, you guys making the trips across and we rely being informed by yourself. It's your 56th trip across for the, the Rangers game that took place this past weekend. Yes, that's correct. This was 56. My first trip over was in, in May 2002. Actually, when we were down in the in one division down, we had a away game against the Inverness Callies, and uh, we lost that game when they were promoted. But uh, then I've gone come over for three or four times every year. Well, except the pan- pandemic, of course. But uh, yeah, I try to get it three, four years, times a year. Wow, this is it's incredible when you hear like numbers like that for making the trips across. And I guess. Um, People will be interested to hear, you know, why the connection to Ross County. How was that that formed originally? Uh, well, it actually started way back in 1993, I think, uh, something early in the 90s. Uh, we follow English teams in Norway, like uh, Liverpool, United, Chelsea, and so on. But we would like to follow, just follow a team in the lower divisions in Scotland. And Ross County, by that time, was very, very. I'm quite sure if they were in the Highland League or something. So, on a Saturday, we just one of us took a blindfold and. It, pointed at the screen around five o'clock on BBC or Sky, whatever. And it accidentally came on to Ross County. And uh, we'd like to follow that team, see how they were doing going up in the system. And we got hold of a scarf. We had it in our local pub. And in 2000, there was a guy coming over on work in, in store. And he saw the, the scarf there and he said, hey, that's my club. And that's when the ball started rolling. So he invited us over two years later in, in uh, 2002. And after that, we've been there. Actually, there's, I think there's been more than 150 altogether. It's always a new one coming over with us. So, <laughs> I was going to ask were, that. Did you did you take a souvenir away from the weekend past as well? So, in we were over here now in 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 I think it was in March. The Celtic game. There were 11 of us over there. Wow, wow, that's just, it, it's incredible. It's brilliant. Um, so, okay. uh, and after that, we've been here so many times, and I feel like I just feel like a local now. I get new friends every time I come over and, and now it's it's not just the football I'm coming over for, it's to meet old friends. And yeah. of course Morris County's been a big huge part of that. And I guess you mentioned there the people that you meet, there will be such a fascination with the yourselves and the, the rest of the Norwegian staggies who make the trip across, you know, to 
you know, everyone knows of these trips. There's a lot of county fans that that know about you guys um, here when the trips are planned and things like that. So, you know, I guess it's it's nice that, you know, you're so welcomed in uh, as part of the fan base as well when you do make these trips across. Oh, yeah, yes. We've been have a tremendous uh, welcome, both here in Dingwall and uh, at the club as well. We had some hospitality several times and, and we feel very, very warm welcomed when we come over. I and that's see. it. And of course, if you're in a small place like Dingwall, you get to know people. If we were in Glasgow or wherever, we'd, we'd just be tourists. But up here, yeah. we we get to know people. And that's that's half the the point. Yeah, we meet, uh, meet the locals as well. Yeah, of course, of course. It's, it's it's such a like a welcoming community. So it's 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 great to hear. You know, you've been you guys are so welcomed into it. And in terms of how the how the teams changed, I guess, and not even just the team, the everything around Dingwall, everything around the club has changed from, you know, when you first picked the name in, in 1993 to your first trip across in, in 2002, you know, um, there is so much has changed. So I guess, how's that been for yourself and, and the rest of your contingent that come across to, to experience that? Yeah, we've seen the, the club developing and, and it, of course it was huge, especially in in. 2015, when we reached the the cup final, yeah, and I was also in. Uh, I'm not quite sure if that 2008 or nine when we had the uh, Alba Challenge Cup final in Perth. So I was down there as well. There's uh, we are also supporting a Norwegian team in Norway called Bram, and uh, David Winters and um, his brothers. They were playing for each. They had the same cup final at that date. Oh wow! So the parents had to choose: should we go to Norway or should we go to to Perth to to our other son? So. So unfortunately, we lost on penalties. So that, but uh, but that was great to be on the final. But I was unable to be on the 2015 final because I was at work at sea. So, but that was just just amazing to be, to be at Hampton. Yeah, and uh, I got it. I was supported. I was supporting. Uh, then you could be supporting uh, players individually, players, and I was supporting Derek Adams at that time. And after the cup final, he, he sent me a, a strip on in the mail with all the players signed on the on the strip as well. That's brilliant to hear as well, because you know it's 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 great to hear that the club have that connection with you guys as well, and appreciate the support through the years with you know like gestures like that. Um, and I guess you know through those years as well, you've mentioned the matches, the the cup finals, the big moments, and things like that. It must be quite interesting as well that the team that you guys originally picked have gone all the way from the Highland League to the top flight of Scotland as well. They've gone from, you know, playing some small matches against some smaller teams, you know, going right the way through the leagues. And now, you know, your most recent visit was a match against Rangers. You mentioned the match against Celtic last season as well. You know, the rise of the club is must've just been something really exciting for you guys to come across and see as well. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh one of the best matches, the one I really remember, was in home against Celtic. And I'm not quite sure what year it was. We beat; they were down by two goals to nil quite early in first uh, the first half, and then we beat them by three goals to two. And it that was that was just stunning. You could you could live live on that for a while. Oh, definite, definite. That was I, I want to say I think that was 2013. Yeah, Stefan Wolfarth scored the last minute header to to win the game. We I was in the jail in that day as well. And you're right; they're just memories that kind of that that live with you um and in terms of i guess memories that will live with a lot of county fans most more recently as well is the the playoff final against Partick that second leg as well 
were you guys watching it from um, your pub over in Norway or were you guys kind of separated for watching it? Did you did you not maybe not get a chance to see all the drama that unfolded? And, you know, what was your reaction quite, to that like? Yeah, I'm not quite sure if that game was on. Uh, the, the, the match last uh, yesterday was uh, uh, on a VR play in Norway. So that was shown uh, directly on our pub. So we have got possibility to sh- to see a county at home as well. Mm-hmm. And... Um, there's there's been a, a small group of us that's de- dedicated fans. The others are over here for a trip or so on, but uh, there's a few of us that's really call us county fans. Really, we are Norwegian Staggies. Yeah, definitely. That's that's the supporters club, the Norwegian Staggy supporters club. That's what that's what we all want to to hear. So, um, in terms of the match yesterday, I guess what were your what were your thoughts on it? Well, hopefully, I was hoping for a win. We. Could- because we we doing I think we were doing good this year because we scored a lot of goals. We scored two goals against Celtic away. That's that's good. And we four goals now in the cup uh, cup uh, match. And uh, so I thought we were going to be uh, at least uh, score a couple of goals, but unfortunately it didn't. It could have ended a uh, could have ended another way if we had that this close head and being in on on the second half. If that had gone in, there might have been a change in the game. But uh, okay, it was fair that Rangers won though. We we could easily have had a draw. Yeah, I, I don't. Yeah, I agree with. You. I think with the, you know, the the chance of the start of the second half, if that goes in, it's a different game. We had a couple of chances in the second half, but you know, I, I guess you know, with against these big teams, yes, you get punished for the the smallest of mistakes and things like that. Right. Which, yeah, it's just it's it's what happens in the top flight of Scottish football these days, isn't it? So, um, so just out of interest as well, are you guys planning on making another trip across in the near future, or or or, or when are you guys planning to get back across? Yeah. I well myself we I spoke to someone uh, at home just before I left and I said oh we'd like to have another trip so we're planning a trip in in November again so we do have three or four trips at least one in in springtime one in pre and and start of the season and one uh, just before Christmas and then we come combine with get you some Christmas presents and so on and so we'll be uh, I don't know how many will get on to that trip but uh, I think we'll come over in November as well. Yeah, definitely. As uh, you know, when you mentioned they're hearing fifty-six trips across, is just it's it's an incredible number, absolutely incredible. And I'm sure everyone listening to the podcast will be really impressed with all the dedication you guys have shown from that you know that day in 1993, picking out the the team's name on the on the table just randomly to having the scarf, and then everything that's that's gone on there. So, um, yeah, just just quite quite incredible. Was there anything I guess that you wanted to to ask on the the podcast or you know just for maybe some interaction in terms of some some of the listeners was there any questions that you wanted to ask them to see if they they might have anything for you no not putting any questions but i would like to thank the people of the world for, for the welcome we've been given over here as well to support us and and we feel we feel warmly welcomed to from the first day we were over here and uh, that's why we keep coming back. If we didn't enjoy Dingwall, we wouldn't come back. But we, we really love this place and we really love the club. And that's the reason we were coming over, because of the folks over here. So they're really, really friendly folks. See, that's brilliant to hear as well. I'm glad, glad you guys have been so welcomed and 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 I've enjoyed so many of your trips and had fantastic memories like so that Celtic 3-2 win back years and years ago as well. So, um, Jan, thank you very much for, for joining me. Have a safe trip home and yeah we'll we'll see you we'll see you again soon yes we will thank you very much right so that was a good chat with Jan um and now we're 
just briefly going to mention because um, I'm sure it's going to be a hot topic as the week rolls on, uh, the closing of the transfer window. So, Stephen, I know we've spoken before about the thoughts of maybe still needing to get one or two players in. Um, yeah. So, Adam, do you feel the same or do you think that we'll be pretty much done in terms of business coming into the club? Um, if anything, I can maybe see us trying to get one in. I'm, I'm just thinking where we need it. I would love us to try and see us get another winger. You know, if you look at the wingers we've got now, obviously you've got Sims who's starting. And I know Danda's a forward player, but you you know you wouldn't really think about putting him out in the wing too much. Um, I would love to try and see us get a winger in. And in terms of, you know, at the back, you can never have enough centre halves if you look at the uh, injury issues we had last year. But um, the more the merrier, in a sense. You know, look how many you don't want to get in the same situation we did last year with you know suspensions and injuries. So it's never too bad on a big squad. It's just keeping them all happy is maybe the tricky part. Yeah, um, I suppose it's a benefit that I think Malky said that Parrington's only a week away, so we might see him back in the squad for this match, or if not, probably returning for the Livingston game after the international break. You mentioned their their wingers. I think you're right. I think we've got Sims and Henderson as the natural wingers at the club. But in terms of maybe getting another option in there, it'd be fantastic. We've not heard any rumours as such. We're also not starting any rumours. But I think, you know, I've certainly spoken about it in the past that a player that I would like to see back at the club, if the deal was possible, was Guion Edwards. I thought he was really good when he first came into the team last season. Was freed by Wigan. Still doesn't have a club. If County can make a deal happen there, I think it'd be, it'd be quite good. So, um yeah, Guion, if you're listening to the podcast, come back up. You'll be more than welcome. <laughs> um, Stephen, I guess, yeah, I'm, I'm guessing your thoughts are the same. You're not, yeah, you're yeah, not yeah, one okay. or two in. Ed, Ed, Edwards would fit the bill for me and what we saw. He was just really unfortunately injured. He looked like, you know, Gainey's a good age, but 29 and be 30 potentially now when he re-signs if he did come back to the club. Um, so that's certainly one I would maybe look at. Um, if he's not got a club yet, there's obviously potential there. Um, I think obviously his wages might have been a stumbling block previously when he was at Wigan. But when you're a player without the club and you've maybe not managed to secure a club by the time the window's closing, then it might be easier then to negotiate with the individual. Um, I do think any activity we will see potentially will be closed by Thursday. The chances are the players and the team will probably be going down on Friday to Kilmarnock in advance of the game so I suspect that anything will get done at the latest Thursday evening um, yeah I think I don't disagree with Adam either about you know you can't have too many options in centre defence I don't know necessarily if they would look at another central defender per se I think if they're going to look at a player they might look at a player who can play defensive positions with you know different options um, I know they did look um, and there was a bit of interest earlier on in the year. My understanding, they were having a look at a player from one of the big, what you deem as one of the big English Premiership clubs who potentially could be on loan. So I would not be surprised if if that still maybe played out a bit. Um, but again, it was, you know, Fergie referenced some of these loans. When they do have a look at them, they have to then, you know, there's an expectation they'll come up and play. And, and right now, this individual who potentially could play midfield and defence where do they fit in? Do you know what I mean? At this point in time, would they have to be patient and wait? But you never know, as Adam says, with injuries. And for me, 
I would still like to see us get one more, keep it in on loan potentially, um, just because I think it's good to work with three keepers, especially now that um, Logan's gone off up to Brora. I think just for covering that, though I can understand you can't do an emergency loan throughout the season for a keeper's position. But And again, it's not against Ross Munro or anything like that, but I just think it's better just to be safety with, with injuries or anything like that as well. Because the last thing you want to do is having to recall Logan from his loan. You know, you want to get him game time rather than sticking him back on the bench. So for me, I potentially could see a winger, maybe someone who can play defence in midfield and potentially a keeper as well. But whether we've got the budget or the capacity to go for all three, that's maybe more what I would say is the ideal than maybe realistically will happen. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. Um, I know we spoke about the the reported links with Stuart McKinstry at the start of the window. That seems to have died down completely as well. He's still without a club. Um, so it'll be interesting to see if he makes any moves between now and the end of the window. Jesse Debra, we spoke about him as well. He's still without a club. Um, so again, interesting to see what, what happens there. So there are a few players that kind of been linked to uh, in the, the media uh, that are still without a club. So yeah, yeah. it'll just be interesting to keep, kind of keep an eye on to see what happens. I did actually have list, uh, listed here as well that, you know, if there are any rumours or news, anything that pops up, between now and uh, deadline day, um, we are thinking about hosting our first, I've got down Twitter space here, but it's not even going to be a Twitter space anymore. Would it It'd be an X space? I'll be honest, no idea how to, to set it up or run it. But in terms of if there is any news and things like that, we can we can have a talk about it and listeners can come in and, and listen in as well. They can ask their questions and, and things like that. So if anything does happen, you know, and you guys listening would be interested in something like that then then let us know i'll put a poll up on the the page um and we can you can base it from there so so yeah moving on then just to the the loan watch for the the previous week uh the club posted this today matty wright ryan mcclement and connor ewan all started in elgin's 1-1 draw at home to east fife matty grabbed his first goal for elgin city as well so congratulations to him it's good to see he's uh off the mark Another player that uh, was on the score sheet on Saturday was Andrew McLeod for Nairn County, and he was set up by another county loanee, uh, George Robeston, uh, to net his first goal for Nairn County. They they lost 3-2 uh, against Keith, but again, good to see they're both getting minutes. Logan played the full 90 minutes for Brora as they defeated Clark 7-0, and Zach McPhee was on the bench for Clark uh, in that match as well. So, um, so yeah, nice to see that the, the loan watches continuing and uh, the guys are getting minutes throughout a little bit of uh, fundraising events going on that the club are, are promoting uh, just now the head of youth and academy operations Gordon Duff is taking part in the bridge to bridge cycling uh, event on the 16th of September he'll be raising funds for the LC Normington Foundation so if you fancy donating to uh, that head over to county social media page and you'll find the sponsorship links there uh, and in a separate fundraising event, Gary Warren and Coach Marco are taking on the challenge of completing a two-mile run every day throughout September, and all funds uh, by sponsorship will go towards the running of the and the costs of the academy programs at the club. So uh, we've retweeted the link as well, and it can be uh, also found on Carl's Twitter page. So any of them, uh, feel free to go and have a read about them, and if you fancy donating, then yeah, go, uh, go for it. So, uh, and yeah, we've got some of the 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 answers to our listeners questions from last week too and since we've got Adam here as well I thought we'd ask him um, his his choices of these as well so 
First of all, Adam, your favourite ever Ross County shirt. Oh. I've got to say, it's got to be, I think it was the same year we got into the Scottish Cup final in 2010, the Adidas, when Adidas had the sponsor. Yeah, okay. The away shirt in the red. I was a big fan of that. I was going to go for that. That's a, that was a nice shirt as well, actually. I think, you know, we we spoke about it on the podcast that it's the memories you get from these kind of shirts, which, yeah. which help as well. And, and yeah, that season, you know, we don't have to say anything about it. Favourite ever away day? Oh, favourite ever away day. Oh, there's too many. Well, if, if I think more recent, if I think more recent, um, the 5 0 down at Dundee. That that's going to take a while to be beaten. You were there as well. Oh, right? we were both there. Just, I don't. I don't know what made it. If it was the sheer shock of getting uh, that result, um, either that, or I think it's going to be the first time down at Air um, where we got promoted uh, to the Premiership. That's up yeah. there as well. But there's been a lot in this small ten-year gap of success we've had. That's too many good ones, you know, to mention. Yeah, that air shout is a really good one. We I um we selected a couple and I I gave the shout to the, the Brian Graham hat trick in the kind of promotion season uh, more recently, but um that one back in the, the first promotion season is a good shout as well. And yeah, that night in Dundee, just different, different gravy. Different gravy. <laughs> yeah. Um and yeah, uh, your favourite pie you've ever had at a match. Favourite pie? Yeah. Oh, can't look past the kebab pie at Hearts. That was a good one, actually. That was a good shout. I, the Donna kebab pie at Celtic Park was actually quite good as well. But I think we, myself and you, Stephen, we kind of stuck to home comforts as well, didn't we? That you kind of can't beat um, some county kind of uh, steak pies and stuff like that as well. So, um, so yeah. And uh, yeah, just some of the uh, listeners' questions. Again, thank you to everyone who's... Uh, commented and, and let us know so uh, Glenn McLeod his favourite uh, shirt was the home shirt from the 2012-2013 season and the away shirt from the 21-22 season um, Sean McKeever has uh, chosen the away Avec white and blue with county at the bottom uh, and Daniel has chosen the 2020-2021 shirt so thank you to those answers there away days uh, Glenn chose uh, he said he, he wasn't sure um sorry i'm just looking at the answers here he couldn't decide <laughs> sean chose uh beating hebs in the league cup final that was just an incredible buzz it's uh michael uh chose here his favorite away day is between the league cup win as well and the first time uh we won promotion against Brecon back in april 1999 oh yeah that was uh mark harrell scoring i think in that game uh, one nil down there in breaking away. Yeah, I think one of the supporters' buses broke down on the way home. <laughs> I think some of the, the players ended up in a supporters' bus. There was some story about that. But I remember a bus breaking down on the way home. But yeah, a one nil. I think it was a one nil win. I think Mark Harrell with the head. I think it was oh, party bus. That would have been. And oh, sorry. And also, Michael also chose the um, his favourite shirt is the 2011-2012 home shirt as he has it framed and signed. So good choice there. Uh, and Daniel's. Um, Favourite away day is Killy away. So Glenn's favourite pie is a staggy pie. Sean's favourite pie is the Donner pie down at Tynecastle. So Adam, you're in good company there. Yeah. Um, and uh, Daniel chose a, a macaroni pie masterclass, which 
it's not said where it was from. Hopefully it's from Dingwall. So, so yeah. So thank you to everyone who uh, sent in their answers for that. It's, it's always really appreciated. Um, and we got a shout out from Derek as well after mentioning last week about all his pies and that and stuff. Oh, did we? I Derek, we made a message to myself saying thanks. Thanks <laughs> for the talk up, boys. <laughs> so Derek was delighted in that. We gave him a mention there, like Joe. So it's nice to know he's listening to the podcast. Oh, Derek, you're you're more than welcome. You're a legendary man around the ground. And another answer we got in here from uh, Twitter was from Gary McDonald. Uh, we all know Gary. He said his favourite strip was the 2011-2012 home strip. It brings back so many special memories. And his favourite ever away day was the 3-1 win at air with Brian Graham scoring the hat-trick. But the Stephen, your choice was the Hibs away day uh, back yeah. in 2010 in the Scottish Cup uh, quarter-final. He says that choice is also up there too. So, yeah. Yeah. Thank you to everyone who's popped them in. So this week's question is, who is your favourite Ross County cult hero? So, Stephen, we'll get you to answer this question first. I always think about like the, the maverick-type player that makes an impact but doesn't usually stay too long. That's always what I say, a cult hero. That's someone you, you know... And then, and then this a myth over the years grows. <laughs> so I think for me... Well, obviously, we we mentioned him a couple of weeks back ago with Kenny. We're having a bit of a laugh with Stefan Wolfhart. Yeah, I mean, you know, the Wolf. He was only there for six months, but he he became that sort of cult hero with the, the, the tears of Wolf from the crowd. But I also remember he did a thing where we were playing. I think it was live on BBC Alba. I think it was Dundee United. We were playing that night, and the game was on the BBC Alba um, at the time. And they had this sort of promo where he was talking about being a wolf and they were up at like the Highland Wildlife Park or somewhere like that. And there was this like wolf tearing this dead beast apart. And it was just totally bizarre. And it wasn't like Brand Beckham, but even that added to the mystique of it of if, as if he was hanging around sort of these sort of, you know, wildlife parks looking for friends as a wolf. So Stephen Wolfhart and the other one that I always quite remember was uh, Kareem Bukra. Yeah, um, as a player, just one of these guys that would just. Uh, there was a cup game against. It was probably one of our first real big cup games in Dingwall when we played Rangers, and it ended up three two Rangers. It was on Sky. It was massive, but I remember it was two two, and he he did this thing from the, the side of the park, but he's he's sort of nutmegged a lad in a run, and he's came in and sliced across the ball, and it's gone from in to out, and it was fired in the top corner. Stefan Close had to pull off a fingertip save to stop it going in. And at that point, it would have been 3 2 to count. And I think the roof would have came off the jail end at that point. But he was just one of these sort of maverick characters you enjoyed watching play. You know what I mean? And he probably was a. I remember speaking to, I think it was Sean Webb. And Webby was saying, I might have been a maverick character, but tried playing in front, you know, behind him and covering for him. He would just go all over the place. Um, but he was, you know, he was just, he got you off your seat. But he was again a character that wasn't there for a huge period of time. And again, he's always just, you know, held in high regard. It's that type of character for me. So, so cult characters are that, sort of Stefan Wolfhart and um, Kareem Bukra for me. Those are the sort of two that I remember as real sort of cult heroes. Fair enough. Adam, who was your cult hero? Oh, I, I struggled with this a wee bit. You know, he threw it on me quite late on. Um, yeah, I did, I know. I know, I like to catch people <laughs> off guard when it comes to questions like this. The one that came to mind was a player that actually played in the same team as Wolfhart and it was Economu. Yeah, you know, good uh, When he came, it was like, who is this guy? At that, at that point, you see someone signing from Greece. It was like, what's going on here? And I thought that first 
I don't know. I think he was only there for a season, but I don't think he played many games at all. But I think in his first couple of appearances, you know, he did a couple of turns and made a couple of good passes. And I think people just got, you know, fixated with him. Um, and I don't think he was actually that good a left back. I think it showed when he came back the second time around uh, that he just wasn't the player, didn't seem to be the player that we got the first time. But yeah, I'm going to go with the uh, economy for mine, I think. There's quite, there's quite a few names that kind of pop into my head from, I guess, my time watching County. I think... Uh... Thinking back, um, Lionel Jebi Zadi during his time at County was probably one. Thinking on, then you mentioned there, Economy, Wolfarth. I don't know if it's fair to call Ivan Sproul a cult hero because obviously he was quite well known in Scottish football before that too, but the impact he made on that team was incredible. Kenny van der Weg, Melvin Delu, you know, there is there's quite a there's quite a list of cult heroes that have Kind of up at the club, yeah. Kovac, oh, Kovacevic flying down that, that right hand side during that first season, the Premiership was unbelievable. Um, I thought when he squared up to Scott Brown, he uh, he won a few people over. <laughs> oh, I did. No, I did. Oh, it's it's quite it's it's tricky actually. I think um, I would go for Wolfarth as well. Just you know, the the reaction that everyone had for him when he signed, and you know, to have moments like the goal he scored at. Tynecastle was like unbelievable but then to, <laughs> um, that winner against Selic is just you know Kenny mentioned on the podcast Jan even mentioned it as well that he was there for that day that's just a day that'll live in like everyone's memories and yeah just mental and and, and you said there that's that's funny about the the Alba promos and stuff like that he's going to the wild oh it was just I, it was t- totally bizarre but again it sort of builds up the mystique and when you look back at it he was a striker that only scored three goals for us. Nowadays, yeah. he would get absolutely caned by the fans, but the fans still love him. Yeah. You know, and he just, yeah. He's in that, held in that high regard. And again, there was stuff on his social media that boys were linking in. And he was up in Slater's dressed in a kilt. Do you know what I mean? He really immersed himself in the yeah. Highland way of life. And um, he was just that sort of character who left all of a sudden. And I've still got him on my social media. From time to time, he'll post things. And I think, now he's doing coaching and, and stuff uh, out there in Germany from my understanding of it. My German's not that great, but what I do understand in it, you're sort of picking up a bit on it. So It's interesting. Yeah, just these characters. And it's funny, you're, you're, you're talking about uh, economy there the first time. I remember him doing something in a game, which I've, I've very rarely seen a player do. There was absolute carnage. And you know, normally it's like clear the ball, and he decided to do a back heel in the box to the goalkeeper when everyone was running for him. And I remember thinking, hopefully the rest of the players are on the same wavelength as yourself, Chief, because that is just unbelievable. <laughs> You've tried that. Yeah. But again, it's the sort of mystique about the player and that, as you said, Adam. He might have only done a couple of good things, but everyone remembers these turns, these bits and pieces that he does. And in fairness, the first season he was with us and then he came back again the second time first time he was really good I remember him and thinking disappointed when he left and then the second time it just didn't seem to work for him again coming back but sometimes that's the same with most players when they return to a club for a second time I mean the expectation but yeah again as you said the reason we wanted him back he was one of these cult heroes everyone was delighted to have him back and it's always um, you said it's interesting because some of these players have not really had a they've had individual brilliant moments but their impact compared to maybe like boys who have played season after season for the club, it's nothing comparable, but it's something that's just remembered by the fans. It'd be great to hear from everyone else that listens to the show who um, 
as their cult heroes because I'm sure there's some absolute crackers in there that you can, we can think of over the years that will come out of the, the woodwork from a bygone year and, and more recent as well. Yeah, I think uh, thinking back to that strike force of um, Arkan and Slew as well, those were two cult heroes up front for <laughs> you know different reasons as well. And, um, Hi. Arkan, when he decides not to turn up for a match and go back off to France, like, I mean, yeah, all these sort of things that went on at the just, time. Ah, crazy. And then they moved to Sigmaring and yeah, just that, yeah. All, that, all that went on after it. But one player actually that popped into my head that I didn't mention, I have to mention, because he was absolutely brilliant during his six months here. And he since seems to follow Derek Adams absolutely everywhere is Jan Songo. Jan Songo. Oh, yeah, <laughs> Those yeah, six yeah. months were unbelievable. And just when we thought he was going to be getting the, the Cameroon squad for the uh, World Cup in Brazil and, and, and things like that, he was just, he was different class at centre half. So I think I have to give him a shout out too. So Yeah, no, okay, that's good there, Ross. Uh, see Jordan Slews and I partnered out with Derek Adams as well. Again. Yeah, uh, he's back. He's back at Morecambe with Derek as well. I saw that, yeah. Just strange, isn't it? Like the way that these kind of, I don't know, Derek's just taking these players to different clubs and, and things like that too. Like obviously Graham Cady yeah. followed him down to Plymouth and and things too. I think Gary Miller also went to... Yeah, he did. Um, so yeah, there's just a few that have, have popped up here and there that have gone with Derek. So yeah. Oh, well, I think that's I think that's everything covered for, for the week. So um, yeah. yeah, just another exciting week of being a county fan. So um, next week it might be a little bit quieter though because since it'll be like an international break and, and things like that so I'm sure we'll find plenty to waffle on about uh, next week so um, yeah we'll we'll leave a, a poll uh, just to see what you'd like to have a, a Twitter or X space just to ch- chat a little bit about deadline day any of the incomings potential outgoings rumours etc and we can speak to people if they'd like to come on and do that and yeah let us know who your favourite county cult hero is and we'll chat about them all next week as well so yeah Adam, thank you very much for coming back on. We've missed you. No, thanks for having me. I'm sure you have. <laughs> oh, of course, always. And Stephen, once again, thank you very much. Pleasure as always, Ross. Pleasure as always. Good stuff. And yeah, hopefully we'll come back up the A9 on Saturday with three points from that smelly Astro. <laughs>